I'm tired a little bit today, but I'm super happy. When I got out of prison, you know, it's, it's nothing but happiness. You go through, it's like it rained for a month straight or six months straight to be exact. Yeah. And then you come outside, you appreciate the sun 10 times more, and that's where I'm at. Welcome into Time Out with Taylor Rooks. Now, today's guest is Meek Mill. Okay, so Meek was released from jail on April 24th, 2018, and today, May 10th, he is on the podcast just two weeks later. So it was a pretty, pretty good time. Now, probably one of the more meaningful episodes I've done just due to the nature of our conversation and the impact that his release has had just in culture. I mean, we discussed social justice reform, the two Americas, the hardships of growing up in Philly. We talk Robert Kraft and really so much more. So let's just get right to it. Okay, me. Yeah. Obviously, there is so much to get to, but I have to start with the Sixers. Yeah. I am so sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I woke up today with a headache a little bit, too. Uh, I expected us to be the underdogs, play the underdog position, and take the whole series coming back from a 3. What was it, 3-0? Yeah, you were 3-0, then you went 3-1, and then, eh. Yeah, we lost. And, you know, I look at it as uh, we got a young team. This is going to be a valuable lesson to the team, and next year I feel like we're going to come back even stronger. But there were just so many moments in this series that it could have gone either way. Yeah. You really thought, okay, maybe they can win this one, just one turnover. Were you there the game when Ben kind of messed up the inbounds pass? Or maybe Embiid messed up the catch. Were you there for that game? Yeah, I was there. The game was that game three? Yeah. Yeah. I actually just uh, placed like a friendly bet with one of them with offset from the Migos and uh, like 10 seconds before that happened and then things started going left. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we got a young team. That's just a part of growth. When you're young, we all made mistakes. When we was young, a, a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And as, as the team grew, I feel like we're going to grow into a great team. Uh, this was our first time uh, in the playoffs with the new Sixers team, the, the new era of the Sixers. So, you know, I think it's going to be a, a lesson to make us come back even stronger. Do you trust the process? Yeah, I yeah. do trust the process, <laughs> of course. I had a process myself where I used, I used to pray for times like this, Sean. It was a process where I had to go from the ghettos to working hard to put myself on a platform and be able to reach people around the world. Mm -hmm. And it's been said so many times that in a lot of ways, you were the heart and soul yeah. of that 76ers team. And I know a lot of them came to visit you while you were in prison. Who came and what was that like? Uh, like Joel, uh, Ben, Markel, they all came to visit me while I was in prison. And uh, they just were showing support to me while I was in a tough situation. And uh, I'm like, not the heart of, I wouldn't say the Sixers, I would say the players are the heart and soul, but I'm like the heart of Philly, Philadelphia itself, and we all are good friends, so you know, they showed their support while I was in a tough situation. What was it like for you when they would come and see you? Like, what did that do for you, maybe mentally? Uh, it kind of boosted uh, my, my, uh, my confidence, being in a situation like that, just having that type of support. Also, it's embarrassing for me to have people visit you while you're incarcerated, and you know you ain't really supposed to be incarcerated. So I wasn't really big on like doing a lot of visits, but uh, they came, they wanted to see me, and I made it happen. And then we had good visits. So you said, and sometimes it was embarrassing. Yeah. You know, where did your mind kind of go at that? What did you not want them to think about you while you were there? I just didn't want to see me as a, a person in jail because I ain't commit crime. I'm in jail and I ain't commit crime. I'm on a probation from 
uh, alleged crime that I was supposed to commit that I was found guilty of in 2007. 2009, I was found guilty. In 2018, I'm still doing time for that crime. So you don't really want people to see you like that. Uh, they all younger than me, and you know, I'm I supposed to be leading a, a better example for people like that. And it was just a little embarrassing people saying you like that, but you know, uh, I stayed strong. Even one of them told me, like, I don't even know how you going through this and still being mm -hmm. strong. So you know, uh, it all worked out. Because that is one thing I'd say. I feel like in a lot of ways it speaks to your resilience. Yeah. That you were able to go through that, still be able to welcome people. The day you get out, you're right on the move. Yeah. I mean, what did you learn about yourself throughout throughout the whole process? I learned that I was strong. Uh, I've been in that situation plenty of times uh, due to, like, these probation policies where it's, it's made to pull you back at any given second due to a mistake. And, you know, I thought it was normal, but being through that type of stuff, is going through that type of stuff ain't normal. And, uh, you know, it, it let me know that I'm strong, mm -hmm. and I, I appreciate it. I know I read that you obviously enjoyed when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you enjoyed when Beyonce said, free meek. Yeah. And those were kind of some, some happy times, for lack of a better word, that you were able to have. What yeah. are some other maybe moments of joy that you had while you were in there? What were the things you would grasp and hold on to? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> and prison is, is kind of tough. I think I used to use, like, playing basketball to take my mind off being... Which I hear you're kind of good. No, I, I'm all right. I ain't good right? At, yeah, I ain't good in basketball. <laughs> when I used to play in middle school and stuff, I wasn't starting. So I was like, maybe this this ain't my, this not ain't my the career. Yeah, yeah, this ain't the career I'm going to chase right here. I'm going to start writing some bars down on the paper. Yeah. And I stopped kind of playing basketball, but I, I got a nice gym shot. <laughs> <laughs> I shoot against NBA players all the time. Who have you played that was like a really fun game where you maybe kind of could have won a game of horse against? Uh, I played Lou Williams one-on-one -on -one game with the 21, and he gave me like 20 points. <laughs> and I won. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he could give me 20 points and win. All right, bet. Give me 20 points. Let's play. Yeah. And all I had to do was score one time, and I scored. And I, I was happy just to score on an NBA player. <laughs> uh, who else? Sometimes we shoot. I shot a lot of jump shots with Lou Williams. Uh, I put him like a half court and me at the three line. It still was a battle. And he still got you. Yeah, he still uh, overpowered me, but it, it was it was a good back and forth. Yeah, and you are like you're so connected to so many of these NBA players. You know, James Harden. I read like yeah. called you two oh, yeah, times James, a week. Yeah, James Harden came to see me too. Uh, he flew in, and on a day off when he had a game the next day, came to see me. Uh, we had a good uh, visit. Even phone time, I talked to him probably every two, three days. Anytime I called, we would talk maybe for an hour. And he was there to support me 100%. He had the free McMill sneaks. And, uh, yeah, they was there. And I believe I got a connection with a lot of sports player athletes because a lot of us come from the ghettos of America, and we got dreams on making it. And what I represent is Dream Chasing. My brand is called Dream Chasing. And I think a lot of them can connect with me mm -hmm. in, in certain areas. And uh, I was always looked at as... Uh, a motivator, a rapper who inspires, not just someone who put words together, but someone who can inspire. So I always kept a connection with uh, a lot of sports players. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. It's almost like there's a like a familiarity within the struggle yeah. that you guys have all had. Yeah. So when James would call you, what did those conversations consist of? Was it him just like updating you on what's happening? or Yeah, what just it? updating me on his life, uh, what's going on. Like so we talk about the court a little bit. Uh, Staying focused, because, you know, they used to talk about James Harden, oh, he can't do good in the playoffs. I'm like, yeah, it's time to show him what you really can do. And he like, I'm going to handle my business, like, stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. and just talking about real life, 
conversation, what's going on in his life, what he going through, what's going on in my life, how I'm handling my situation, stuff like that. Is there any specific conversation that you guys had that you remember maybe uplifting you or kind of getting you through that day? Uh, I don't know. He used to just be like, when you coming home, you need to yeah. hurry up and get out of there. And it was probably good because it was maybe a sense of normalcy. Yeah. Like just talking to your friend in this situation. Yeah, definitely. It yeah. definitely was. And that's how we controlled the conversations where like, we surrounded. Every call is 15 minutes, but he used to be like, call me back, call me back. And usually somebody like him is important. I know he's probably busy. I call him for 15 minutes and just step away, call him probably a week later. He'd be like, call me back, call me back. And we hold an hour conversation as we would on the street. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, is there anybody who you would talk to, whether in the sports world or in general, that we'd maybe be surprised to know? Anyone coming to visit you, we'd be surprised to know. Uh, LeBron was supposed to come visit me, but they had a game. The way the visit was set up, they couldn't make it to their game at the same time. And as you know, he's been supporting me through social media. He always been a supporter of me. And uh, who else was it? Colin Kaepernick was supporting me through social media and then using his voice to bring attention to my case. It was a lot. I forgot the kid. I never knew his name. The kid that was a snowboarder in the Olympics. I want to give him a shout out because when I seen that he after is the it Olymp uh, Sean White? No. No, he had like a foreign type name. Uh, sure. He had after the race he had held up a billboard, a uh, uh, snowboard, and wrote Free McMill on it. And oh, said, that's dope. Yeah. He said like this ain't national. This is a worldwide thing where we support him. That was big for me. When yes. I seen that. Uh, yeah. Because the movement has really just like transcended. I mean, yeah. More than just like sports, it's transcended like the U.S. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, yeah. definitely, and and it's it's really. My my situation was just a sparking point, but it's really shining light on situations where people are voiceless and, and in injustice situations where they would never get out of if light not shined on it. So, you know, I'm just using my platform to give them some light through my situation, almost as if I'm a sacrifice for a better cause. I went through what I went through, and I'm still going through it, but it's actually shedding light on other people, and I want to continue to just press the movement. Good. Okay, wait, so I have to ask, because you said LeBron was maybe going to come visit you. Yeah. Is LeBron going to come to the 76ers? Oh, I don't know. I hope he comes to the 76ers. Yeah. Have you had conversations about it? No, I didn't talk to LeBron yet since I got out, but I hope he comes to the Sixers. I think we got a good shot. Yeah. We got a good team, and our team is strong enough to battle any super team in the NBA. I feel like if we get LeBron, we would probably be one of the best teams. Yeah, talk it. Talk yeah. it. I feel it. Okay, so a couple of days ago, you went kind of viral again on social media when it was you, Robert Kraft, and Gucci. Yeah. I know you have talked about what you were saying yeah. in that picture, but tell me what that conversation was. Uh, Robert was just like, he he like, he like think Gucci is a good guy, and I was telling uh, Gucci, like, no, I rock with Robert. Rob Robert came and see me, visit me when during a tough time, and... We just was exchanging words and complimenting each other. It looked like we was talking about something crazy, but <laughs> it was just a Well, it was funnier because Robert Kraft more so looked like, what are these guys saying? Like, he was the really they funny He probably didn't even know what we were saying. Yeah, no, I rock with him. You know, we got our right. own slang, like Philadelphia, Atlanta. <laughs> Everybody got their own slang. Yeah. So, you know, we just kicked into our mood and... I ain't even see it as that until I look back at the footage. It's funny. Yeah. And you, okay, you have said that you feel like Robert Kraft is the real deal. Yeah. What makes you feel that way? Uh, I just feel like I had a conversation with him before about these type of topics. Uh, we actually was on a ride to Miami, and the topic at hand was, like, me talking about it being two Americas, and I was basically informing him on what goes on the outside of the world because 
I was telling them stuff, and they saying stuff like, no, not in America, this don't go on. I'm like... Really? Yeah. Give me an example of something that you tried to explain to him that he maybe had never experienced. Uh, inmates being basically slaves. Inmates in jails, they work for eight cents an hour. I'm like, if you work for a company, I don't care what you did or what's going on. You still, if you're an inmate, you should be able to provide for your family on the outside if you're actually in here doing hard work and labor. They're paying people eight cents an hour. 80 cents, if you work eight hours, you're making 80 cents a day. That's a little rough, you know what yeah. I'm saying? No matter, because some people make mistakes and end up in prison. Everybody is not gonna, didn't kill somebody. Everybody didn't rape somebody. They're just in prison for the time being, and you shouldn't be treated that way. Uh, a lot of kids are left on the street due to that five cent to the prison over petty probation violations where they didn't commit a crime, they just made a mistake. And they're in prison, they're not able to take care of their family anymore, they will probably lose their jobs. They shouldn't be in prison. I'm telling him, like, no, people working for eight cents an hour, he like, yeah. eight cents an hour, a lot of And he just didn't, really... didn't get it. Yeah, a lot so, of, go ahead. Right. No, when you were trying to portray that, to Robert Kraft, did you see him soaking it in an understanding? Because in my experience, in some ways, it's hard to explain to people that don't understand the experience, the experience. Like, his life that he has lived is so different than yeah. most of us. Uh, the next time I talked to him and had the conversation, he was coming to see me in prison, and we had that same conversation. Just it was, We went more in-depth and just talked about how we could fix the problem, how I could help fix the problem. And, on that plane that day, he was like, from what I'm hearing about you, I, I don't know too much about your rap career. Uh, he was like, what I'm hearing about you, you inspire a lot of people. So you got a chance to use a platform to be a voice, a different type of voice. And he like, just take it to the extreme. And I, I felt like he was the real deal because he came to see me and, and used his voice. Even with people like uh, Jay-Z speaking up, Jay-Z spoke up for me and during a tough time. He actually put his name on the line by speaking up for me yeah. because he didn't have to speak up and he taking a risk by even putting his name on the line. I feel like Michael Rubin took a risk by even speaking up and using his name. Robert Kraft, I feel like he spoke up and used his name. He walked out of the prison and did media. I was amazed to see him walk out of prison and do media. And, and say speak you don't me. belong in, in, in there. Yeah, and, yeah. Re and say he support justice reform. You know, that's a big issue. And I don't care if you're a billionaire, you have $10 to your name, you white, black, whatever your race is. If, if you want to support justice reform and you, you got a big platform and you use that platform to speak on that, that's a topic at hand that I'm interested in helping and trying to change. So, you know, that was good for me. That was good enough for me. Because I think that is one of the interesting things and what people were talking about on social media is Many people in general feel as though Robert Kraft has maybe aligned himself with people or ideas that we disagree with. Yeah. So how are you maybe in some ways able to put that aside? Or what do we not understand about Robert Kraft? Uh, it's, it's almost like Kanye. Kanye is aligning himself with the camp, uh, the Trump administration. Uh, I don't look at him different. I don't hate him because he's doing it. He's allowed to believe whatever he want to believe in. I think I don't believe in everything he believe in. I don't agree with everything he's saying, but Kanye's still Kanye. At the end of the day, somebody that I admired that made great music and I looked up to. Uh, I don't. I can't really speak for what they got going on on the other side of their life because everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Just from my dealings with them, I, I don't see. I see things that could be great, that can make the world a better place, and I'm gonna use my abilities to do what I can to make the world a better place. It's a lot of people in this world, 
in the music industry that don't stand for what I stand for. Uh, there's people of different religion, believe in different things. I don't judge them off that because they believe in something different than me. And if we can do something together to make great things happen, it's none of my business, really. I would. I believe in something else than a lot of people, so you know, I can't really judge. So you said something that was really interesting and I want you to expand on, because it's something I try to explain and feel like I don't always do it correctly, when you said yeah. that there are two Americas. Yeah. Explain what you mean by that. All right, it's, it's simple. Uh, if I'm riding in a car with, for say, a Michael Rubin, and no, we in two separate cars, he get pulled over and I get pulled over, it's different. If he's walking down the street in the Philadelphia streets at nighttime and the cops pull up on him and they pull up on me, it will be different, you know what I'm saying? And that's just the way things go. Uh, probation is the way it's modeled. City kids that grow up in urban communities, they come in contact with the police on a daily basis. If you live in a suburban area, it's unlikely you would come in contact with the police if you're not committing crime. Certain policies are made to affect certain people certain way due to your circumstance and your environment. Uh, me, myself, I grew up in a ruthless environment. I always explain to uh, Mike because he's still learning too. It's a lot of stuff he said like, I ain't know probation was this serious. He don't know that I got a call. They just don't know, they don't yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah, they don't know about it because they didn't grow up in that life. They didn't grow up in that world. And my job as a friend to him, I explain it to him if he don't understand something, if he never experienced it. I can explain it. I took him to my neighborhood. Just me, him, and my friend, we had a driver. Uh, Dateline just wanted us to meet us in a certain area, and the area they wanted to meet us in was like, it was the hood. He was like, I'm not gonna get killed around here, but he said that, <laughs> not seriously though, he he said that, he said it in a joking way, but yeah. he know in this area you could be killed, and in certain areas yeah. you're safe, and it's, and it's a difference. I can't, it's hard to kind of explain but, but I, I think it's, okay, regardless of how you feel about, you know, Robert Kraft, Rubin, or whoever it is, I think the fact that you are trying to explain to them and trying to give them to understand is yeah. huge. Like, the education and the understanding and trying to get that knowledge in people that don't really get it is a very big part of change. Because most people would say, uh, he violated probation, uh, you deserve to be in jail. What is the definition of violating probation? If I jaywalk across the street, I deserve to go to jail for two years. I got a right. six-year-old son I'm raising. I take care of my family. I got a job, and I employ people. One simple mistake, I should go to jail. Jail is inhumane. Mm -hmm. Being shackled from your ankles to your wrists. Like, they got shackles that go around your waist, around your arms that's connected to your feet. How I go from taking my son to school to be shackled up in a, in a jail cell in a matter of hours and I didn't commit a crime, I didn't hurt anybody, I didn't sell any drugs, I didn't rape anybody. It gotta be some type of in-between and them type of people never experienced these type of policies and rules because they didn't grow up in environments where uh, all you've seen was drugs your whole life, all you've seen was violence your whole life, so. Like it's just a part of your experience. That's yeah. life as you know it and I think that sometimes People try to make it seem like our experience has been an illusion. Yeah. Because they just don't know that it is what it is. Or it's your fault. Like, I'll yeah. be telling, like, I didn't have a choice of growing up in a public housing environment where, like, you could be put out your house or moved to a different area just because the city owns this house. They will move you to the worst area where the school is not a good school. Like, 
I used to live on 32nd and Caesar B. Moore. I was a straight A student. Uh, I moved to PHA. They wanted to knock the house down. I guess they sold the property. They moved us to 18th and Birch before it was taken over, taken over by Temple. I started to go to school there. The school was like a little more rougher, and the areas were a little more dark and gloomy than the yeah. area I came from. And you know, I adapted to my environment, and I started changing with the environment that I was mm -hmm. in. And, you know, I didn't have a choice. I was eight years old. My mom was going to work seven days a week. My dad died when I was young. So, you know, I had to experience a lot of things on my own. Mm -hmm. And you kind of talk about that. And when I had your friend Dion Waiters on the show, yeah, he talked about how loss has been such a big part of his life. Yeah. And it's like losing somebody, whether it be to death or be to prison, is just so embedded in the experience that yeah. you have. Is that a way that you feel as well? Yeah, like uh, even Dion Brother. Dion Brother was killed probably two years ago in the middle of the summer. He was riding a bike, uh, a dirt bike, a motor vehicle. He was shot in the middle of the summer. That, that's trauma. Uh, that would probably throw your game off when you play basketball games. And that would stick with you your whole life. Yeah, of course, yeah. but that's daily basis where we come from. We lose a lot of family members. We see a lot of bad things happen, and we go through a lot of trauma. But people like me and him are still strong enough to not be bitter, not fall into the traps, and still rise above that and make a way for other family members and friends just to give leeway. Like, uh... Me and Dion, we like a part of the talent tenth, the uh, talent the tenth mm -hmm. from Philadelphia. Basically, you got the Morris twins, you got Dion, you got Kevin Hart, uh, you got Wayne Ellington. You have who else we got from Philly? It's uh, Danny Garcia, B. Y. Jennings. It's a lot of sports players and musical artists. Lil Uzi Vert. Where like through these ruthless conditions, we still rose up above it and, and mean something out of ourselves and. We pride on that. Like, you see, Dion, he got a lot of pride. They call it Philadelphia pride. I got a lot of pride to myself because the thing, the conditions we came from, it was almost, like, amazing to get out of and still be alive and, and make it far as we made it and still, move, and still moving forward. When did it hit you, okay, I'm free? Yeah. And do you feel free? No, I'm still on probation. Actually, I still got a two-year sentence right now. I'm just out on bail. I have a two- to four-year sentence right now. I still got six years of probation. And actually, the cop that my initially, the, the cop that arrest, arrested me in the beginning of this case, uh, he found that we found out he was a corrupt cop. Uh, I actually was found guilty of pointing a gun at two or three cops at one time. No shots fired. Uh, I was brutal. I got beat up. I don't know if you seen my mugshot. You yeah. seen it before? Mm -hmm. uh, my mugshot stitches both sides of my face. So it's like clearly something. <laughs> something went wrong. I yeah. got, if you look at my wrist, I got a, a scar from having yeah. handcuffs on my wrist from 11 years ago. If you got a scar from handcuffs from 11 years ago, that means them handcuffs was extremely tight. Yeah. And something went wrong. But you know, I was found guilty of that. So now we're in the process of trying to regain my freedom. I'm on the street, but. I have something hanging over my head, and yeah. I was found guilty of something that I didn't do. And my lawyers, the district attorney, everybody has notified the judge that uh, the integrity of this cop's testimony is... Should be Yeah, out. once yeah. you found out you're corrupt, it's, it's not anything more to pursue. And, you know, my freedom is still on the line at this point, and hopefully, I think the Supreme Court uh, made a ruling and let me out on a bell, and I feel like everything will uh, get fixed and I'll receive justice one day. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, you can be free in the sense that, like, 
you're not behind bars, but yeah. there are so many other ways to feel as though you're imprisoned yeah. in America and society to feel like you are limited in, in so many other ways. I was free since I was uh, 20 years old, but I was on probation since I was 20 years old, and I had to ask another adult, could I travel just to go across a bridge? Like in Philadelphia, it's a bridge downtown, and it's New Jersey on the other side of the bridge. My mother lives in New Jersey, my sister and my mom, basically, my whole family lives in New Jersey. I got to call a probation officer every single day if I want to cross that bridge back and forth. And my probation officer leaves work at 5 and 5 at night. If I got to go home, uh, go see my son after 5 at night, if I go see my son without being in contact with my probation officer, I'm in violation. Yeah, so, so doing these simple things, are it's a challenge. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's not freedom. That's not freedom if you got to call somebody. I can't get up and take my son to Disney World if I wanted to. I would have to plan it out and I would have to contact somebody. Yeah. This has been going on for almost 11 years now. Do you think that this now, this justice reform, this speaking for others, is this the biggest responsibility you've ever had? No, the biggest responsibility is like raising my son and uh, continuing to put my family, because I come from poverty where my family uh, never even experienced the world, never got a chance to really travel. and and see what the world has to offer. My first thing is just securing my family and making sure my son is raised the right way and, and giving all the tools he needs and to prepare him for life. That's, that's my most important uh, mission right now. And this is something that I just stumbled upon and God has placed this on my plate and I feel like it's the right thing to do and I wanna do it, I wanna help. Uh, my people's been terrorized by some of these policies their whole life, and I think I could do something to help. I got a platform. So we know, you know, you clearly have this big weight on your shoulders. You've shown that you're strong, that yeah. you're resilient, that you're smart, that you're all these things. Yeah. I'm just wondering, with everything that has happened to you, are you happy? Yeah, I'm extremely happy. Today, I'm tired. <laughs> when I do interviews, and I'm tired a little bit today, but I'm super happy. When I got out of prison, you know, it's, it's nothing but happiness. You go through, it's like it rained for a month straight, or six months straight to be exact. Yeah. And then you come outside, you appreciate the sun 10 times more, and that's where I'm at. I've been through these type of things in my life, my whole life, so in the back of my mind, it feels normal. But, you know, uh, I actually come from poverty. I'm making a way for myself and feeding my family. It could be 10 times worse, because I just came from being incarcerated with men where it's a land of being sad. A lot of people are away from their families. Some men will never step out them buildings. They're going to die in prison. So, you know, it kind of humbled me being in them situations. I looked at it as an experience from God to have this platform today be on time out with Teller Rooks, <laughs> talking about justice reform and talking about Dion's situation and my situation and inspiring people. Okay, so we only have a couple minutes left. I always do a couple Twitter questions. Yeah. So let's see. Some good ones that people want to ask, yeah? Yeah, let's get it. You've got a lot, don't worry, I won't ask any crazy ones. Yeah, because <laughs> social media gets crazy. Sometimes. He's over there like, oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> Alrighty, let's see here. All right, how do you feel about the current state of hip-hop? I know right now you're like, I'm worried about being free, you're not necessarily thinking about music, but how do you feel about it? Uh, the, the current state of hip-hop, I think hip-hop is in a great space. Anytime the culture is moving forward, uh, Hip hop is bringing a lot of, making a lot of money. Uh, streaming, streaming is making a lot of money. Artists are able to make more money. I think uh, we got a lot, a lot of young artists coming up, and it's, it's new, different ways of rap that 
Like my son, he like all the younger guys. He don't like. Who does he like? He don't listen to a lot of Meek Mills, Jay Z, <laughs> J Cole. Ken, he ain't listening to. He listen to Lil Pump, Lil Uzi, uh, Tay K. Oh jeez, yeah. <laughs> he's really doing like that type of rap. Okay. Yeah, he up on that. He up on Yachty, that YouTube. Uh, yeah, little Yachty. Like you got to almost monitor that YouTube because kids get to watch what they want at will. Mm -hmm. This person says you should grow your cornrows back. Not opposed. Uh, it's just the middle stage. The middle stage of growing your hair back is like that little afro in between where you can't really like cut Like the awkward your... phase? Yeah, yeah, I don't like the awkward phase of growing <laughs> in the middle. Like when you get braids and that short, like real short in the back, it's just that one little stage. If, if, if it wasn't, I thought about it when I was in prison, but I didn't want to walk around with my hair out and nothing to do with it. Yeah, no, I feel you. All right, did being away make you value things and people differently? Yeah, uh, even the support, support I got from people protesting and being outside the venue of the courthouse and standing up for me and the big social media presence made me uh, view life different because I never had that type of support. I had that type of support with uh, doing music and people who supported my music career, but I never had this type of support when people supported my real life issues and. That's why I'm here today. I, I wanted to extend my hand back and help some of the family members of the people who supported me when I was going through my incarceration. So, yeah, it, it affected me in yeah. a good way. Okay. Have you at all put any thought into when an album would come out? A lot of music questions. <laughs> uh, I think an album probably will be coming out uh, in the next few months. I still got to get in the studio and record and work. And, you know, I... I try to critique my music a lot. I'm like one of my worst critics, so I take a little bit of time. So I would say a few months. And I think you have answered this before, but it, it is a good question. What songs really kept you motivated while you were incarcerated? Uh, kept me motivated. Well, one of my songs was called Young Black America. Uh, that kept me motivated. It was a song with Pusha T and Ross called Hold On. Can't Wait Till I Get My Money Right by Kanye. Uh, Jay-Z, Oceans. Uh, with featuring Frank Ocean. It was a lot. I, I got a mixtape. I went to my DMX from T.I. to Lil Wayne to Gunna, Lil Baby, Young Thug, Future. You know, I switched it up. So, you know, I just touched on what came before the era, before me, and what's going on now in the younger era. I was, I was just, I enjoy listening to music. So, you know, a lot of the music touched me. Okay. All right. The last one is a me question, not a Twitter yeah. question. Just with everything that you've gone through throughout your entire life, yeah. and, and most recently, if you could really talk to a younger you, yeah, what would you tell a young Meek Mill? Uh, me, uh, I would tell myself, as a younger Meek Mill, I would have told myself to practice more, uh, focus more earlier, because I always try to tell little kids like, whatever you want to do. They used to say. Uh, whatever you want to be, you can be. But in the hood, we ain't really used to believe that because we seen so many people fail that we're like, that's just a saying, something that sounds good. But really, it's true. If it's something you work on from the age of 12 years old till you're 25, 30 years old, you would be professional at it. All it takes is practice to be anything you want, uh, being able to be focused, ambition. And I wish I would have start, started a lot of things uh, more early. Even I used to want to go to the NBA. I would have started playing basketball when I was five years old. I would have focused more. I would have shifted my whole life towards my dreams because every day you don't work on your dreams is another day that you take away from success. And I started really taking rap serious at the age of 16. So 
I was a little bit late because there was kids in my neighborhood that started at like 10 years old, 12 years old, and they was really good mm -hmm. at basketball, rap, and they had parents that would take them to practice or put them in basketball school at six, seven years old. So I always felt like I was a little bit late, so I always had to work extra harder. But, you know, if you got a dream, chase it early as you can, and the earlier you chase it, the faster you will see results. So that's what I would say to a younger me. Well, perfect. You were a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on, and I, and I Thank hope you for that, me. of course, what anybody would get out of this is I don't want people to focus on, you know, why you were there, what you did. I would hope they focus on what you know, I allegedly you, did. Yeah, what yeah. you allegedly did. I'd hope they focus on just who you are now and who yeah. you are and what you're doing. Yeah. So I appreciate I appreciate what you're doing, and, and I think it's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thank yes. you for giving me this platform to address what's going on. Yes, appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for listening to Time Out with Taylor Rooks. Be sure to rate and review. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast to keep up with the guests. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And until next time, I'm Taylor Rooks.